Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive special offers and take advantage of great promos for the big game and the upcoming college basketball tournament. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big and win bigger. Let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where win bet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too, 1-800-889-9789. With Vroom, you can shop thousands of cars right from your phone and have your next ride delivered straight to you. I like to look at the listing on my couch. You know, it's peaceful. I can think. Nobody's trying to trying to get one over on me. You know, it's a lot of Tahoes out there. I want a Tahoe. You know, do I really need that package? Well, let me decide for myself. Okay. With Vroom, I can do that. Vroom is the better way to buy your next ride. You never have to haggle or negotiate the price of a car, so you know you're getting a good deal. With thousands of cars available on Vroom.com, you can make sure you get the ride you really want so you don't have to settle. You have a full week or 250 miles, whichever comes first, to make sure your new ride is right for you. Plus, all cars on Vroom.com come with a 90-day limited warranty and one year of roadside assistance nationwide, giving you peace of mind while on the road. You can trade in your old car when you buy your new one, or you can even just sell your car to Vroom. When you sell your car on Vroom, you get a price instantly. You can buy a car from Vroom entirely online, so next time you need to buy a car, just grab your phone, go to Vroom.com, and check out thousands of cars. Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. Today, Troy Aikman's going to run us through some NFL topics. He's going to talk a little bit about Tom Brady and the transition to the booth for him. What it's like for Troy to have watched the GOAT over the last few years. How he thinks a few quarterback free agencies are going to shake out. What it's going to be like for Dallas this next season. Dak, is he the guy? What about Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy? And he'll give us a little preview on the Super Bowl and talk a little from his experience. It's a good conversation. As per usual, it's a freak show. You have a good time. How's everybody doing? Great. Joe started. Nine out of ten. That's good, man. Sneaky, quietest retirement ever, Tom Brady, but also like the loudest too because we have Super Bowl week coming up. You get that like this is the perfect time to retire to get a a week-long run of Tom Brady. Handheld video, mobile phone, windy. 9 a.m. Sand dune. I woke up. I've been up a while. I just got done doing a hit class. Mm Mm-hmm. Had a coffee with um, bulletproof coffee. Yeah, um, a little butter, grass-fed butter, 
and uh, I'm reading the newspaper because I do that. Yep. And uh, my son hands me his mobile phone, and he's like, "Here's Tom Brady. He retired, Dad. You knew this guy." And I said, "Yeah, we were really good friends." Um, you know, I'm not going to be the guy to post about Tom Brady this week because I don't feel like I'm. You know, like where's the Mendoza line for being able to post about a former teammate? I think I'm. I think I'm on the right side of this one. By that I mean. I'm doing the right thing, not putting up a post like of a picture of me and Tom Brady. Correct. Yeah, it, it, it was a year. It was a year, but yeah. but there was also the like the won whole, a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, not a key player. Um, oh, shut the front door. No, kind of key. Yeah, but you know, not one that Tom would hang out with. Tom would have one less Super Bowl without my guy ninety five. Thank you. And word to Dave Damashek. He loves when I talk about this. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Holding offense. He should have put me in that video. Mm hmm. And if it weren't for the hold, I would have gone a decade between Super Bowls. Hey, man, the guy choreographed this. He said he wanted to play until he's 45. He's 45, and now he's done. Yeah. Done for good. You know what? We thought at the end of the year that he didn't look great at times. Um, After that playoff game, I was kind of like, um, I don't know, like if his market is as uh, robust—is that the word? That's the word. As uh, as you would think. Did he want the headline to be Brady signs with X for, you know, the average deal? No, I just think he's probably like, dude. I I think eventually you come to the realization that we're all gamblers, right? Like whether, you know, it's every year. It's like I'll roll the dice again. Let's see, you know it. If he knew the way this year went, he wouldn't have played it. I, c- I can bet you that. But you you take a chance, and it's in his DNA to try to do more and more. But eventually, you got to be like, I got to walk away from the table here. Like uh, the point of diminishing return has hit. Like, and maybe part of it was like, hey, I don't want to be on a third team. Right. Like then I'm getting into that like hop around guy late in the career. Where was he? And I think also the way the the year ended, it was so painful probably for him. That he was like, I can't imagine doing this again. And the risk of doing this again is, it's not insignificant. So I always tell the story, he was a great teammate. He introduced himself to me the first time I walked in the building. I'm like, that's, you can tell he does that to everybody. The thousands of guys like me that came through, you want to call it chasing a ring or joining for a year or whatever. He, he treated everybody with respect. And, you know, that was like down to the last guy in the building. And uh, I just... You know, like the duality of doing that and also being the guy that can chew you the fuck out on the sideline and justifiably because of how great he's been. Um, But I also think like Tom Brady can't lead like Tom Brady if he's not feeling like I'm that guy, you know? Um, I don't know that that's how he thinks, but he has to be playing great to lead the way he does. And uh, maybe it's just not that that time anymore. Seems like it might have been a little different if – Bruce Arians has been on the sidelines. No disrespect to Todd Bowles. A little disrespect to Todd Bowles. Might have been different if Ryan Jensen were healthy the entire year. If yes. he had that reliable tight end that he's had his entire career. But he's That's still, a lot of ifs, so. He still put up numbers. He you did. Know? No, no, he was fine. And, no, he was fine. And I don't think, you know, people sort of laugh at the Wizards part of Jordan's career. Yeah. Brady went and won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. I mean, I, I, I think there is something to, he's not leaving on top. But he's leaving while he's he can not, still doing. No, it. he's not leaving like Matt Ryan. Right. You know, no disrespect to my dog Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, it's a tough last couple games, days at the office. You know, very rarely we talk about like um, John Elway or fucking um, Peyton Manning. 
that's rare to be able to do that. And so um, I think Brady was kind of like, okay, I had my chance to do that. I didn't do it. Um, time to go be with my family, if I had to guess. Yep. And um, I'm happy for him because honestly, he's lived like a robot for his entire life. Mm-hmm. Now he can fuck around and have some ice cream, regular ice cream. Maybe. Smoke a joint, maybe. Maybe. I feel but, like I feel like he's gonna stay true to the brand, even retirement. You think? Yeah. No nightshades. I'd love to see a sun scorched, slightly overweight Brady in a short sleeve button down linen shirt, all oh. the way open, balding. moderate belly, balding. Heineken. No, he that's the problem. He can never be balding now. He's in Florida though. You know, like I feel like that's where you head when you're in Florida, if you're living right. So I hope he I hope he heads that way and relaxes a little bit. No, I'm not saying he got plugs. Yeah, if you get plugs, plugs you, are, too, are normal now, man. Can, I know, no, no, hey, yeah. no shaming, but like, can you like shave, like say, like, hey, I, I, I really like to do the horseshoe thing. I'd really like to have high peaks. No, I, you, I don't think you can do that. You, you can't you make a always horseshoe. Have, you can't, you can't. You always horseshoe. have hair. That's God's work. That's the invisible barber's work. Right. Only the invisible barber has that on the wall. Yeah, these folks have taken God out of the equation. You know, the the plugs thing, I was talking to somebody about this. Like, you got to assume everybody in Hollywood has them mm-hmm. because nobody's bald in Hollywood. Right. Unless you're like an, a, a, you know, a stuntman or a... Vin or a, Diesel. Yeah, or an action hero. Mm-hmm. How many character guys that are in like romantic comedies are bald? You almost never see it. That's something that needs to change. Yeah. My, um, my guy, Steve Carell, season one, <laughs> season two was right back. Speaking of guys with good hair, Jimmy G not going back to San Francisco. Where is he going? Mm. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think he's kind of like one of these guys now with Brady retiring that just got back from World War II. You know what I mean? He's just got a lot of options. Yeah. yeah. Give me a less abrasive way to make that analogy in history it's like a company when one of their rivals goes out of business you get an increased market share he's like a company that when one of their rivals goes out of business they get an increased market share well, fuck tom brady just retired Damn. there's one less seat to, that it's filled what an apt know? analogy exactly circuit city see ya i'm best buy now bitch <laughs> That's what Jimmy G's like. Jimmy right G now. for Best Buy. Exactly. Uh-huh. Warm it up. Nice. So yeah. Anyways, uh, kind of a probably a good day for Jimmy G. I think he wants to see what's on the other side. Yeah, I'd like to see him in Tennessee. Hmm. He's Bro. only ten. I see. Of the. Does he make sense in Las Vegas? Josh McDaniels. I think he might. I mean, I I, I think he might. I. You know, what are they gonna do? Derek Carr. He's like. The guy, he's like the guy whose wife was thinking about hooking up with another guy who was in his platoon, and he got capped in <laughs> Korea. And he's like, you know, now that the now the backup option's gone, don't you know, don't miss me too much. I follow that. I got an award to give out. You got? Did you hear about the girl on the Churchland Truckers team? No. <laughs> I don't know if you follow Churchland Truckers sports as close as I do, but it's national news. Okay, this uh, this gal who was an assistant coach on JV basketball team, 22 years old, they're missing a player. Girls got club team. It's a Saturday or what, whatever. They go to Nansman oh, River. Oh, yeah. Homegirl puts on the full getup. She's out there blocking shots. 
celebrating celebrating <laughs> mid-range jays the whole nine yards 22 years old okay. jv yeah and i don't blame her as much i uh i blame jamal street the head coach uh because he orchestrated this yeah. deal so it's so bad they had to they halted the season well it they is, halted it it's pretty bad now, yeah, how do you look at this? Is like haha, or like man, the world's fucked up. <sighs> like, did they think they were going to get away with it? How did they get caught? Probably because they were like, "Damn, that girl torched us." It would have been <laughs> a lot better if you would have just like done five, four, and three. But she was out there like twenty and ten, uh-huh. you know. And she she does look young. I did I did some investigating. In fact, I looked up her Instagram, which is predictably private at this point, um, and. She, she didn't take the basketball emoji out of her bio, which I love. She's like, she's like, I'm sticking to the fact that I love basketball. And I think actually that it'd be cool if we gave her another chance. Now mm-hmm. there's a caveat. She has to go play in the NBA for a night. She has That's to guard funny. Jokic. That's yeah, funny. Or like fucking Brianna I'll Stewart. The, I'll meet you in the middle. No. I'll New meet York you Liberty in the middle. just the, signed. The Illinois Center. I don't know if he's still there. Kofi Coburn, she's got to go guard him. Um, and then she can go back and coach the, the, the Churchland Truckers. I think they've both been fired. I can speak from experience having coached JV basketball. I used to fantasize about being in that game and dominating. Dude, absolutely. <laughs> but more from a standpoint of dominating sure what I know fantasy. now. You, you know, know like, saying? what'd you say? Uh, dominating might be a fantasy. My man can, <laughs> my man can run a... a, a, a uh, a club yeah you don't have that mid-range j no no yeah. this girl was good she was a good player i'm sorry it's there's okay. footage there's You've never footage. been wet with it you know <laughs> you know he's not wet but mm-hmm. neither was i nah you know ironically dry boys i'm the wet guy over here i can't dribble though i don't know you're wet can't well make a lot of free throws playing 21 that's the fellas with a little basketball in the hall yeah nerf um so yeah, like the Danny Almonte Award. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. I we're only gonna get to give these out on occasion. But uh step on up. What's her name? Arlisha Boykins. Yep, Arlisha Boykins. I can't does I I'm just getting far what, what away. What are the shots. other girls thinking? They gotta go along with it. They're kids. They they don't have any choice. They're going along with it. Yeah. They probably are sick of losing. And it's their coach. Cash app. The easy way to send, spend, save, and invest with friends. Cash App helps you connect effortlessly with your finances and with your people, and that's money. I love going on a float with my buddies and my custom Cash App card. We head out to the James River. We pick up some drinks. We pick up some snacks along the way. Somebody pays with their custom Cash App card, and we all share our cash tags and split the bill. That is what friends are for. Cash App provides us with an easy way to send and spend money save and invest in stock and bitcoin cash app however does not provide a dry pair of pants you want to remember that when you get off the river try the number one finance app in the app store whether sending spending saving investing splitting tipping donating or gifting that's money and that's cash app download cash app from the app store or google play store today to create your own cash tag It's big ad season, and two of the most iconic beer brands are about to make history this year. Coors Light and Miller Light are facing off for airtime in the big game after a 30-year absence. But the big mystery is, who will win? 
We're Team Miller Light around here on Greenlight, so we're rooting for them to show up. But every detail of the ad is completely under wraps until the actual game. The taste, the great taste of Miller Light, whether you're having it at a stadium or whether you're at home with your favorite frosty mug. I like to put mine in the freezer, get a little wet, put it in the freezer. Um, and then and then you add the Miller Light. And, and, and that taste is so dependable. It's the same every time. It's delicious. At the stadium, on the couch, wherever you want to enjoy your... Miller Lite. Dependable flavor means your beer tastes like beer. Since 1975, Miller Lite has been the beer with taste you can depend on. No games, no gimmicks, just a great beer for beer lovers. Go for the beer that invented light beer. The big game hasn't tasted this great in 30 years. Be sure to tune in to see which of these beer giants reign supreme and pick up your Miller Lite to enjoy during the game. Get Miller Lite delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart by going to MillerLite.com slash Greenlight. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs for 12 ounces. Troy Aikman has been generous enough to uh, join the show, and he's going to give us a couple minutes to talk about a whole lot of topics going into the Super Bowl. The one big one, Troy... Uh, and welcome to the show. It's great to see you, man. You. Yeah, is Tom Brady. Like, you know, we get the whole media week before the Super Bowl to talk about Tom Brady. Were you surprised by the timing um, and the kind of finality of it? Because I woke up the other morning and I was like, I thought this was going to go on the whole offseason. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I wasn't surprised, and I wasn't surprised that, that he retired. I guess I didn't realize this, but I guess it was last year, February 1st, is when he announced he was retiring a year ago. So, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I guess that's, uh, you know, when he was wanting to get it done just to make the announcement and get it over with. But I, I like the way he did it. I have great respect, of course, for Tom and everything that he's done. Uh, don't need to go through all, of, you know, his resume, of course. But I was surprised, Chris, last year when he retired. Uh, it, it threw me off because he'd had a great year. Team was still competitive. And he had always said he wanted to play until he was 45. So that threw me off a little bit. But as we learned, there was a lot more to that decision than just simply walking away from the game. And then he came back. It made sense. And then I figured all year that this would be his last season, uh, especially the way that the year went. I thought that going into the season. But then the way the year went and then with everything that was going on in his personal life, I thought, wow, this has had to have been the toughest year that he's gone through. Uh, but then when we were getting ready for the Cowboys uh, Tampa playoff game, I talked to some people within the organization and their belief was that he was going to continue to play, yeah. uh, whether that was in Tampa or elsewhere. So then I thought, well, heck, maybe he will come back and play. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think the fact that I've been watching a lot of these shows and that people are are wondering if, in fact, this is it for him or why now. I, I think that's pretty incredible that those conversations are even taking place for a guy that's 45 years old. Yeah. I mean, everyone who retires, at quarterback anyway, yeah. people are usually saying, yeah, it's a good time. He's he's pretty much done. And yet there's still teams out there that need a quarterback that would take Tom Brady in a heartbeat. And I think that's as much respect as you can give the guy. Yeah, I wondered, you know, you got to probably be with him a couple times this year for uh, production meetings. And I wonder if you got a sense at all running into him or if it was business as uh, usual it was uh it was business as usual uh for the most part uh tom when he when he was in new england we we had one new england game a year 
So uh, didn't get to see him much. And then when he came to Tampa, when I was with Fox, we were doing a lot of Tampa games. So yeah. I got to I got to have a lot of conversation with him, got to know him a lot better. Yep. And there were times when he really opened up, uh, I think maybe a little bit more than than he has with others. You could tell that he was going through a, a lot uh, just in trying to reconcile his ambitions as a quarterback and his professional career and somehow striking a balance in your personal life. And I think I think we all uh, experience that to some degree, but none of us have done it as long as, as what he has. But I did ask him going into that playoff game, I said, look, I know you're not going to tell me what you plan to do, but in your own mind, you know what you what you're thinking you're going to do. And uh, he said he really didn't. And I think I think that was true. I I'm sure there were days he woke up thinking he wanted to continue to play. Uh, but I have a feeling that the overwhelming thoughts on his part throughout this season was that, you know, it's been a hell of a career and, and it's kind of time. Yeah. And um, got a nice situation. He could walk into 375 million yeah. to go work with uh, pops or Greg, Greg Olson <laughs> or whatever. So, yeah. yeah, I mean like his life is set up pretty good. That's he, not a bad side hustle. Yeah, for sure. no, and he, he, you know, from experience. And so he, yeah. he can go in a number of different directions, but I wonder you know, if he does follow through with the media thing, how do you think he'll do? And what advice would you give him? Because you've made this exact transition. Uh, I think he'll be great. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Fox does as well. Most people do. Um, it, it, it's not a foregone conclusion, but I just feel that there are people that you just bet on. Uh, and he's one of those guys. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's succeeded at everything that he's done. Uh, he'll continue to put in the work just like he did as an athlete. And I think that he's wired that way as, as others are as well. So he'll do everything that's required to give himself a chance to, to have success. And I think that he understands that. And I, I definitely know that, you know, not a lot of people in the public get a chance to really kind of see behind the curtain, but I think that for him, he has some real opinions. Uh, he hasn't always voiced all of those, of course, yeah. but now he'll have a platform to where it will be expected, and I think he'll deliver. So uh, I, I fully expect him to to have a really great broadcasting career. There are some that wonder whether or not he'll actually do it. Right. Uh, I don't know about that, but I suspect that he will. My conversations with him, it, it indicates that that's what he's planning to do. Um, don't know why he wouldn't at least give it a shot but uh yeah i think he'll be fantastic my only advice is just be you be yeah. authentic um speak your be honest speak your mind um and he'll do he'll find his niche he'll he'll do that respectfully and i think he'll have a lot to add to the broadcast what was the biggest challenge for you getting into the booth was it being critical of players i'm sure at times former teammates was that a a hard line to toe was it literally the ins and outs of lights and cameras and this is when you're talking about a replay and this is when we're back to live action what was the biggest challenge for you what yeah, would it that's be a, for Tom that's a that's a that's a good question and and I will say that um I I don't feel like I was asked that when I first got into this I, I was asked at a press conference do you think you can be critical uh, of the players and I said well I, I mean I I, I think there's this idea that you're supposed to be critical. I guess you you are critical when it warrants being critical. I, I've always felt that it's my job to be fair uh, and to be as honest as I, at least whatever my opinion is, is to be able to present that. But I have great respect for the players and the coaches that do it. Uh, and, and Chris, I know you do as well. And when you 
understand that, that I don't go into a broadcast feeling like I have all the answers to what's happening on the field. Um, and, and I don't want to come off as though I do have all the answers um, because these guys spend an enormous amount of time uh, giving it everything they have and and them winning is it's more important them to win than it is any fan base or anyone who's watching the games. And so I tend to give the coaches the benefit of the doubt where I get where I'm critical is just not very smart plays, lack of effort, uh, lack of discipline. You know, those things is when I tend to then react pretty strongly. But as far as what was most difficult, there is a lot going on in a broadcast booth uh, that it just takes a little bit of time to understand and have things slow down a little bit. And there's this idea that whether you're a player or a former coach, when you go into the broadcast booth, well, I can't wait to be able to really educate the viewer on X and explain this. And there's there's less time now than there was when I got into the broadcast booth because all these offenses are playing up-tempo. Yep. So you you have to be done talking before the snap of the next play. So you really you just don't have the kind of time to get into a lot of that. So what I learned early on is, you start down this road of explaining something, and then you've got to somehow find wrap it up to get off, you know, to be done talking before Joe jumps back in, and and then you leave something hanging, and it just, you know, then a big play happens, you never get back to it, and it's just so you kind of learn that you got to just someone. It might have been Matt Millen who said, "Hey, you, you know, you you, you kind of give them body blows. You know, it's just body blow, body blow, body blow, and then then when there's more time, then then maybe you can come with the big haymaker and make a real you know long point. But that's uh, adjusting to all the action and all the activity that's going on in a broadcast booth and the timing of everything is probably the the biggest challenge. Do you have it? We were talking offline about how much you love doing the NFC Championship, and I was just up there and saw you know, Jimmy and the guys and everything. Um, was there a game that you remember that you're like, that was the best game to call? Oh, man. We had, you know, Chris, we had so many, we had so many great games over the years, so many big moments to have been a part of it. I, I do think, and I maybe it's because it's the freshest on my mind, I, I think one of the best games Joe and I called was last year's championship game. I remember coming out of that booth saying, you know, I think, you know, there's, and that's not always the case. I, I think that I'd say probably three or four times a year do I yeah. come out of the booth and say, wow, I, I think we did about all we could do. Normally, I'm pretty tough on myself. I usually come out of the booth just kicking myself saying, this was a dumb comment. This wasn't right, you know, whatever it might be. But uh, I, I think back to, first of all, uh, the this we talked about this offline as well. The, the Super Bowl in in Houston, yes, with you know New, New England and and Atlanta. That yeah. was a crazy game, as you know, being yeah. a part of it. And Man, you know, so that was. I remember at halftime, I said to Joe, because we had had a terrible Super Bowl the three years prior to that. It was a, it was another it was a blowout, and I remember saying to Joe at halftime of that game in Houston. I said, you know, I remember when we used to get great finishes in the Super Bowl. I mean, <laughs> now we got another blowout this yeah. year. You know, yeah. I mean, and those games are hard to do. Yeah, and uh, and then all of a sudden they're here. You know, one of the epic finishes. So that was awesome. The other one I think of is a playoff game in Seattle with Green Bay. I believe it was oh, in Seattle. Yeah. Green Bay and 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 the Seahawks. And what a great comeback win that was for Seattle. But there were so many great games, and uh, those the playoff games, just like as a player. The playoff games, when there's when there's real meaning on the game, the outcome, 
as a broadcaster, you can feel that in the in the stadium as well. Uh, and those were always the most fun games to call. So you got the Super Bowl. You got another media um, question. Yeah, before we he's get into insa- he, he used to be a spotter. So he. Do you have your own spotter, Troy, or is it just Joe? I do now. I and, do now. His name's David Moulton. And does and, he have uh, access to your ears? Because I'm curious, a play ends, and somebody's probably like, hey, Troy, we're about to show a replay of yeah. this guard pulling. Yeah. Be ready. Well, usually what usually the way it works is um, there are times in the truck where they'll say, hey, they see something, and they'll replay. And sometimes they show a replay when it wasn't asked for. But in general, the way it generally works is Joe would call the play. I'm watching the field, and then I see what I see. And if I want to see a replay, whether it's the run, whether it's the right guard who pulled and made a great block, or if it's a pass and they blew coverage or receiver runs a great route, I'll get in the talkback button to the truck and say, hey, give me give me a shot of the wide receiver, runs a great route, gets the guy turned, and then they'll give me the shot, or if it's the guard or whatever it might be. And, uh, and then they tell me, hey, it's coming from whatever angle it might be. But most of the replays, the analyst is usually it's usually analyst-driven. He's the one asking for those replays uh, is, is how it works. Moulton, uh, I started using him when we started doing Thursday night games uh, is when he first came on board. And it was just to I, – I feel like when there's more eyes on the game, Madden had a guy – he had different guys. One of them was uh, – uh, John Robinson, right, the former coach at one time. But when you when you're able to then put the headset down when you go to commercial and just say, hey, you know what 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 are you seeing? You know what's am I, you know is there, are we missing something here? And you know what do you see from them defensively, offensively? Is there any trends? And it's just uh, if you're sitting around with your buddies on the couch and you're having those conversations, you usually then have a much better feel for everything that's taking place within the game. And so I always feel like the more eyes on it, the better. Uh, and that's what we're. That's all we're hoping to do is present a better product to the audience. His talk back button on. is like, like my cough cough button. button. We got yeah. a cough button here this week. I've got a mute button Troy, over here on the sorry. Zoom side of things. I wouldn't if they didn't have a cough button uh, on air. I wouldn't be able to work in broadcast. Yeah, know? really. That's what I'm saying. I've I just started. I've had this cough all damn winter, and we finally yeah. got it in. Shout out to Cowboy Reed. So. Um, With Vroom, you can shop thousands of cars right from your phone and have your next ride delivered straight to you. I like to look at the listing on my couch. You know, it's peaceful, I can think. Nobody's trying to to get one over on me, you know? There's a lot of Tahoes out there. I want a Tahoe, you know, do I really need that package? Well, let me decide for myself, okay? With Vroom, I can do that. Vroom is the better way to buy your next ride. You never have to haggle or negotiate the price of a car, so you know you're getting a good deal. With thousands of cars available on Vroom.com, you can make sure you get the ride you really want so you don't have to settle. You have a full week or 250 miles, whichever comes first, to make sure your new ride is right for you. Plus, all cars on Vroom.com come with a 90-day limited warranty and one year of roadside assistance nationwide, giving you peace of mind while on the road. You can trade in your old car when you buy your new one, or you can even just sell your car to Vroom. When you sell your car on Vroom, you get a price instantly. You can buy a car from Vroom entirely online, so next time you need to buy a car, just grab your phone, go to Vroom.com, and check out thousands of cars. 
If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I have great news for you. Sign up today to receive special offers and take advantage of great promos for the big game and the upcoming college basketball tournament. Don't miss out on the fun. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older, and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too, 1-800-889-9789. The big game coming up, you know, I was reading something about your career that I had no idea happened or almost happened. Andy Reid called you at one point. Yeah, try to get you to play yeah. for the Eagles. Yeah, we were doing a game in uh, old Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego. For those that remember that stadium, and and uh, we were uh, we were at well, we'd got. I was still working with Chris Collinsworth. It was me and yeah. Chris Collinsworth and Joe Buck, and I'd yeah. been out of I guess maybe my third year out, and we went to a game break and announced that Donovan McNabb had just broken his leg and he was going to be out like six weeks. And, uh, so at halftime, my producer, Richie Zion says to me, Hey, I've got a number. He'd never done this, of course, but he says, I've got a number for you, uh, to call at halftime. And so I said, all right, I had no idea who I was calling, but I figured it must be important. And so I called, I had no reception in this old stadium in the broadcast booth. I had to go out on the concourse, which was, it's far different than the stadiums now. I'm out amongst the fans leaning over this concrete rail. And I and it's Andy Reid. He goes, hey, it's Andy Reid. I go, hey, Andy. He goes, you, you know why I'm calling, don't you? And I said, well, I, I mean, I think I do. But I said, Andy, I'm in the middle of a broadcast. It's halftime. And he says, no, I know. I'm watching the game. And I said, I'll call you when the game ends. And meanwhile, fans are going by. You know how it goes, Chris. They're going, yeah. hey, Cowboys blow. Yeah, you know, hey, yeah. screw, hey man, uh-huh. screw you. You know, and I'm sitting there trying to have uh-huh. conversation. But, yeah, I called Andy, and we talked about it. And I thought I was on my way up to Santa Barbara. I've got a place there where I spent a lot of time. And uh, he's, I was thinking I could either go continue up to Santa Barbara and enjoy a nice week, or I can be on a flight to Philadelphia and I was expected to play the following Monday night at Candlestick Park and I hadn't played in a few years yeah. and I, just thought, I don't see this being a good ending you know so I, I I obviously declined it we almost had Troy Aikman the Eagle that's right I mean, so I mean what a surreal experience that would have been um which way do you lean in this game uh you know, I, I will say this. I, I tend, I think because of my background uh, at Fox and then also my my career in the NFC East, I, I tend to to always lean to the NFC side because uh, that's the conference that I had always known the best. But now doing Thursday nights and, of course, Monday night, I get, I get a lot of AFC games. Right. The, we had Philadelphia, Chris, back in uh, week two or three. And they played the Vikings. Oh yeah, I remember getting ready for that game and thinking because we had the we had the Eagles last year in the playoff game against Tampa Bay when they lost that game, and to see the improvement of of Jalen Hurts and really that entire they were the most complete team we saw all year. I just yeah. thought, wow, this is this team's for real. And Jalen Hurts, his progress over the offseason, it's obvious he put in a lot of time. I mean, I have 
I have so much admiration for his work because you just you can't fake that. And for his improvement from where he was a year ago, it's obvious he worked his tail off. And so uh, I'm really happy for him. Uh, love what I've seen from Andy Reid and Mahomes and all them. Um, I would probably, if I was betting the game, I'm not. But if I was betting the game and having to pick who do I think will win, I I I, I probably like Philadelphia in this yeah. game to win. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun, and you got to block yeah. Chris Jones. That's that's uh, yeah. Well, one. yeah. So. Yep, one hundred percent. That guy's a he's a, he's a total beast for sure. I mean, what a great player. What'd you guys do when you're going in a Super Bowl and you got Bruce Smith or I don't know who that guy would have been for you, probably Bruce. But yeah, um, no, it's Bruce. Sure. How much attention's paid to that one player? Yeah, I think the great offensive coaches. I think most of them do this, but I know back when I was playing, maybe not as many that that they should have. Our our number one priority every week uh, with Norv Turner and Ernie Zampezi was, you know, how are we going to block these guys? There there was always some alpha on the other side that just could be a total game wrecker. You know, of course, in the NFC East during that stretch, we had Carl Banks, Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White. Uh, you know, shoot. Uh, Wilbur Marshall, you know, we had, there was some, there was some, obviously, uh, uh, Charles Mann, there were some great players that, so we were, you know, every team kind of gets accustomed to that, but the whole game plan started with how are we going to block Bruce Smith and keep yeah. him from just wrecking the game. And fortunately we had, we had some pretty, pretty big horses up front ourselves that we could usually, yeah. we could usually neutralize them a little yeah. bit. <laughs> you know, you played against some great defensive players. You just named some of them with regularity uh, I know you weren't afraid of anybody, but, but was there one guy that you were like, damn, I just remember the way he hit me and that just stuck in my head? Or was there one hit uh, from a great player that you, you can remember uh, not so fondly? Yeah, there. I will say that when I came into the league, uh, when I was in college, I, as was every football fan in America, was acutely aware of Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, he was just a different kind of player, uh, transcendent player. And so when I came into the NFL, the idea of having to play against Lawrence Taylor was a, a little frightening because we weren't very good. We couldn't block anybody and, you know, or in the early years. Um, and so that was, that was something I always remember is when we went to play Lawrence for the first time. And I just thought, Holy smokes. I mean, this guy's, you know, he just gets your attention as soon as you break the huddle and start going to the line. But the guy who, the guy who really got my attention was my first year in 89 to play against him. It was on Thanksgiving Day. It was against the Eagles. And Reggie White got through the middle of the offensive line. And in college, you, you could always, as a quarterback, I could outrun. I mean, nobody caught me from behind. I wasn't, you know, Lamar Jackson. But, I I mean, I could outrun people. I ran at like a 4.65, 4.7. And uh, I remember he came, and I just took off scrambling to my right. And he caught me from behind, and I'll never forget that feeling. I just thought, man, this guy's this guy's three hundred pounds, and he and he can outrun me too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is Damn this right. is a different league. Yeah, yeah. he was a so. beast. Um, you got to play against all of them. I mean, like I was going through the Super Bowls, the first one, twenty seven. You know, reading about kind of the talk going into the game was, hey, y'all are new kids on the block at this point, which is really hard for me to imagine being 37 years old. Like you guys were dominant from the outset, but there was a time where y'all didn't have the experience. Um, how much does experience matter going into a Super Bowl or into a playoff game? And did you yeah. guys feel that going into that situation? 
I, I, my position on it, Chris, is because of our experience, as you just laid out, that we were the youngest team in football. We had very little playoff experience. We'd gone the year before. We, we won the first game against Chicago. We lost it in the, in the divisional round. And then we get into the following year and make the postseason. And, and then you're going into the, the Super Bowl and we're playing a Bills team that had played in the two prior Super Bowls. And, you know, yet we we obviously handled it very well and we we played exceptionally well. So I I've always felt that playoff experience is a bit overrated. I never have felt that you play in enough Super Bowl games. This is what I always said anyway. I never felt that anyone played in enough Super Bowl games to where you could get accustomed to what playing in the Super Bowl is like. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tom Brady might be the exception to that right. for as many as he, as he played in. But yeah. the one thing I do think, and you can you can answer this as well, that for me, going into the first one, knowing how much importance is placed on that game, knowing how uh, legacy-defining that game is and how you want to just make sure you play your best, I wasn't sure how my body would react to the emotion and the urgency of that game. I, I, and so I was very aware. I was I was constantly kind of monitoring where am I at? Am I too high, too low? You know, am I getting, you know, how, how am I going to manage the emotion? Um, it, it was a struggle early in that game. But then where I'm going with this is that when I did go into my second Super Bowl the following year, I at least had a point of reference. I knew what the day would be like. I knew what the moment going out for pregame warmups and the introductions. And I, I knew how, I, and I felt like I could manage that better. So I think from that standpoint, there is a benefit uh, to those players that have been in a Super Bowl. They they at least kind of can, un, they can anticipate, I guess is a better way of saying it, how their bodies may react to that emotion. I mean, you went through that. I think you're right. I mean, like I had never sniffed the playoffs, but once I got there, I was like, okay, the the teams are good. You know, there's a lot of pressure, but it's football. You know, then you get to the Super Bowl and it's everything but the football. That's right. Media day, it's, you know, tickets, it's, you know, your family getting there. It's the long halftime, by the way, Pasadena, right? Your first one. Yeah. Do you remember who the halftime show was? I do. I do. Michael, yeah. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson and Garth Brooks sang the national anthem. Oh, dude, you guys got – first hey. off, we love the Rose Bowl. We're and O.J. Like, Simpson did the coin Rose toss. Bowl's he did great. the coin toss. Yeah. 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 The Ro- Rose Bowl, like just playing a Super Bowl in the Rose Bowl, it's unheard of now because of the way you got to have it laid out. But, I mean, just to get that, Michael Jackson, Garth Brooks, and then the second one, do you remember some of the country stars who played at that one? Because I think this is the one in Atlanta, right? It was. I, I, I do know uh, that Clint Black was there. Yes. Because, and, and probably Travis Tritt. Travis Tritt, yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, Clint Black. I had what I learned, what I learned from the Super Bowls more than anything is the very first Super Bowl, there were no cell phones then. Nobody had cell phones. Yeah. And so uh, I was at the stadium late. By the time I got to the hotel, I'm trying to figure out where are my buddies, you know, where are my teammates, where are my guys. Yeah. And I went to the team party. It was a sponsor fest, so I never saw anyone. That's I did the same I went, thing. Just changed. <laughs> I went back to my hotel, and I'm just trying to. I went to the lobby bar, and I wound up uh, having beers with the media. I couldn't find any of my teammates. Holy I shit, Troy! That's the same thing that happened to me with you and Joe after the New England Super Bowl. I went to the yeah. team party. It's all fans and sponsors, and then I was like, I'm going to the hotel bar. And it's with you guys. Okay, so that's why that's why we saw you within the next year. I decided, hey, I'm going to get out ahead of this. I mean, so I I had my own party. 
Yeah. Okay. And uh, and so I told my teammates, I said, "Hey, I'm we're, I'm not going to the sponsors party. I mean, that thing's it's a mess." So so I had my own party back of the hotel, opposite of wherever the team function was going on. And Clint Black uh, and and a uh, bunch of those artists, they came to my party. So that's, that's cool. why that's why that's I so knew cool. that they were they had performed. Yeah. That is so cool. And that second Super Bowl, I I didn't I forgot this because I was a kid. Um, but you guys were down at the half, 13, 13-6. You end up going yeah. 24-0 in the second half. What the hell did Jimmy say? Uh, yeah, he. you know, first of all, you're right. The the halftime length, the length of a halftime for a Super Bowl, yeah. it, it's hard on the players. Yeah. I mean, you just, you just mm-hmm. don't even know what to do with yourself. It's a long time. Um, I think, you know, what we did, we came out in the third quarter, we ran Emmett. We, I think we threw one pass on that drive. It was about a 12-play drive. We just we just ran counter-trap, uh, basically, to Emmett, uh, left and right. And we went right down the field. And I, I think Jimmy had seen enough of some of the, the aerial shenanigans in the first half yeah. and said, we're going to get back to running the ball. You guys, so had a, what, you, you guys had a great relationship, it seemed like, because I saw a clip of you this week. And you were giving Jimmy the business. It was on Instagram. Yeah. You might have seen the same clip. And I was like, "That's, I want to play with Troy Aikman. Like, I wish my quarterback <laughs> would get on the fucking O line and the and the and the head coach like that. Like, that's leadership. But you also have to have a coach that can take it and give it back to you. What? Would, how did you and well, Jimmy resolve I, I conflict? Will, I will clarify that though, Chris. Um, I, first of all, I, I ran pretty hot as a quarterback. Yeah. I, you know, I, w- I wasn't very uh, uh, forgiving of a lot of things. But that particular year, uh, Jimmy had already—he was already working at Fox when when that took place. Okay, that, okay, okay. That was the coach. That was the coach that replaced him. Was I it Switzer? You, was it Switzer? Uh, that would be affirmative. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Did you and Jimmy get into it? Never, never, not well. Once. I will say, Jimmy and I had a tough stretch early in my career where where we didn't get along particularly well. But there was never, you know, Jimmy. Jimmy, he was a tyrant, and yeah. and I mean, he 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 ran a pretty tight ship, and and then we did, we did. However, we got really close at the end, yeah. and and I I hated to see him leave. But what was great about it, Chris, was that. Jimmy didn't tolerate any miscues during a practice. And so whenever there, whenever he wasn't satisfied, he would call the team up. He'd start the whole practice over. He'd let guys have it. And then players, as you can imagine, would get upset about it. And I would be the guy then I'd be the good cop. I'd go in and say, Hey, look, forget about him. Let's just, let's just do our thing. Don't worry about it. But I believed in everything Jimmy was doing. So it was great. And I, it was like, I've always said this and, and you were there that, People always ask, who benefited more from who in New England? Was it Bill Belichick benefiting more from Tom or Tom from Bill? And and you can debate that either way. But I say, you know what? What I feel like Bill Belichick allowed Tom to do, it allowed Tom just to go play, just to go play the position of quarterback and be the best teammate he could be. Yeah. Because the rest of that stuff was being handled. You know, Bill was handling the, the organization and kind of how we do things. And when Jimmy was in Dallas, I got to just play quarterback and try to be the best teammate I could be. Yeah. And when he walked out the door, uh, that changed. And yeah. then I I then had to take on an added role yeah. of kind of being the hard ass as well. Yeah. And and that was a role that was exhausting to me. I bet it was, actually. 
I was like, every yeah. now and again, that's cool. But like, yeah, if it's regular, yeah, yeah it's a pain in the ass. Last yeah. question for you. What do the Cowboys need to do uh, in the offseason, like with Mike drawing up, hey, this is how we're going to roll things out for Dak next year. What's one thing they can do better uh, to, to be more Dak friendly in that offense to get him to hone in and be consistent? Yeah, if, fair question. I, I think I think it's what we're going to see. I know that from my experience with Mike and Green Bay, um, now he didn't always stick to this because when you've got Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, it's hard not to put the ball in his hand. But I know that Mike would always talk about it's not what he what he looked at most was rush attempts. It wasn't yards per carry average. It wasn't total yards. But if you're if you're running the ball 25, 30 times, those are usually pretty good outcomes of games, whether you ran it for four and a half yards of carry or three and a half yards of carry. And I think the running game, I think getting back to what this team has been about in their best years of running the ball, I, I think we'll see more of that. They also, however, need – they never filled the position of Amari Cooper. And and I've always thought that – and I've said this before. When I was playing, I always felt your receiving core was as good as your third wide receiver and it, or, or your third receiver. It could, yeah. These days it's a tight end or whoever it might be. But I think today it's probably more you're 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 only as good as your fourth threat in the passing game. And the Cowboys just uh they they didn't have the weapons on the outside to really threaten a lot of people consistently each each week. And I think they've got to address that from a personnel standpoint. And then I think we'll see uh the running game. Now what that looks like, I'm not exactly sure because I don't know about Zeke Elliott and his his status, uh, and then Tony Pollard, of course, coming. he'll be coming off that injury. But I believe we'll see them be a little bit more balanced than maybe we've seen in the last couple of years. All right, well, here's to that. Hey, he, he's got to go. He's got to go. Yeah, Troy's go. fourth target in that Super Bowl 30, Yeah, Deion Sanders. Were you throwing it no matter what, 47-yarder? <laughs> because I didn't see a whole lot of separation there. It looked like you just chucked it. Yeah, you were like, yeah, fuck it. I got to He's down there, <laughs> yeah, down there somewhere. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much true. I mean, yeah. when – Dion only gets a handful of uh, offensive snaps at that time, and if he's in the game, uh, you can bet you know he kind of wanted to, to give it one of these. Yeah, and uh-huh, uh-huh. He wanted to go high stepping. Yeah, well, well I, that 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 was awesome to watch, man, growing yeah. up. So, uh, Troy, thank you so much for your time. Um, we'll, we'll hope to have you on again and get some rest this off season, man. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, yes, man. Thanks, Troy. buddy. Thanks for the time. I'm